Chapter 1 of Ebenezer's Casket This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ben Tucker Ebenezer's Casket by John Ulrich Giese and Junius B. Smith Chapter 1 It was a nice casket. Ebenezer Clay was sure of that as he completed the finishing touches and surveyed the results of his work. He put out a hand and ran it over the satin pillow, the lining of the narrow oblong bed, in an almost proprietary way. It ought to be nice, a perfectly satisfactory casket, because he had given special care to make it exactly what it was, and it was the last he would make. He drew back his hand and sighed. The casket was gray, a soft dove color. He had liked always gray. Claire Markley's eyes were gray. It was rather odd that he had been thinking of them as he worked on this particular box in the Armistead Casket Company's plant the last few days. But then, inside those few days, Ebenezer had reviewed the major part of his life, recalling as best he might in chronological fashion the activities of his twenty-seven years there was an hiatus, of course, between his birth and the time when he was between four and five. Now the casket was finished. Ebenezer had seen to that. He began removing his workman's apron, though according to the clock there remained several hours yet to work. He put the apron away and donned his street vest and coat. One would have said that, having finished the casket, Ebenezer was going to quit right then and there, and as a matter of fact he was. With a final glance about the room where he had labored at similar tasks for the past two years, he left it, made his way to the office of the plant, and asked for his time. Then he inquired if Mr. Armistead was in, and asked for a personal interview on learning that he was. He got it, in view of the fact that he was quitting without warning and was one of the best workmen the company had. "'Good afternoon, Mr. Armistead,' said Ebenezer, standing in front of the proprietor of the Armistead Casket Company." with his hat in his hand. "'I've just finished the last box that come into my hands. I'd like to buy it, if you don't mind.' Armistead stared. He seemed a bit surprised. Ebenezer's proposition was unusual, to say the least. He frowned. "'You want to buy it?' "'Yes, sir, for my personal use.' All at once, a faraway look crept into Ebenezer's eyes. And I'd like it delivered to the Lynn Undertaking Parlors. Your personal use? The proprietor of the Armistead Casket Company took a deep and sudden breath and laid hold of the edge of his desk with both hands. He regarded the man before him in an actually startled fashion. See here, Clay. They tell me you're leaving. What's wrong? Have you run into some sort of trouble? No, sir. Ebenezer shook his head slowly. Leastways, it ain't anything except what comes to every man. Sometime, and I'm quitting now, because I need a few hours to get ready for it. You see, sir, I'll be ready for that box after 11.01 p.m., and I got to see a lawyer and arrange things with Lynn. You? Good God! Armistead left his chair with a bound. Clay, you, you don't mean... Ebenezer nodded. Yes, sir, I, I'm going to die. The only difference is that most men don't know it, and that I have known it was coming for some time. 
That's why I've took special pains to make this box exactly what I wanted. And sit down, Armistead directed almost sharply. That isn't what I meant. I meant you you aren't going to do anything to yourself? Oh, no, sir. Ebenezer's eyes widened swiftly. There ain't any reason why I should. His employer regained his chair. His manner was slightly ruffled. What's the crazy notion, then? Are you sick? No, sir. And I ain't crazy. It's just that it's been given me to have definite knowledge of when I was going to die in advance. Some people can read the future, and I know my time. You know it, and you've gone on working till the last day? Yes, sir. There wasn't anything else I wanted to do very much, and besides, I wanted to fix this box. So if you'll let me buy it... Hold on. Hermistead's expression appeared to indicate that he was far from decided as to whether he ought to accept Ebenezer's assurance that he was sane or not. He leaned a little forward in his chair. Now, let's get this thing straight. You've got a hunch that you're going to die at one minute after eleven tonight, but you aren't going to commit suicide or anything like that. You just want to buy this particular casket you've fixed up to suit yourself. No, sir. Yes, sir. Ebenezer nodded. Armistead got down to business. All right. I hope when you wake up for breakfast tomorrow morning, you'll be feeling better. Now, as to the casket, it's my business to sell them. Though not at retail, you can have it if you want it at the market price. Yes, sir. Ebenezer said, ignoring the middle of his companion's remark and replying only to the man's first and last part. There was almost an air of condescension about the way he said it, as though from the heights of his superior knowledge he could afford to overlook so trivial a thing as the other man's doubt, now that he was so very, very close to the end of mundane things. He reached into a pocket and produced a roll of bills, began counting out the correct amount. I brought it with me this morning, he explained as he laid a number of bills on the end of Armistead's desk, and I'm sure you'll find that right. If you'll have him deliver it to Lynn's first thing in the morning, Armistead nodded. For the moment he seemed incapable of words. There came a pause, and Ebenezer rose. So then, I guess I'll be saying goodbye. The way he said it gave a strange, bizarre, almost weird finality to the word. The situation was uncanny. Armistead exploded. Oh, forget it. Get the fool notion out of your head. Go see a doctor and come back here any time you want a job. Thank you, sir said Ebenezer, and passed out without further comment, paused at the cashier's window long enough to collect the wages due him, thrust the amount into his pocket, and made his way for the last time through the casket company's doors. On a corner, he waited for a streetcar that would carry him through the business section of town. It was crowded when he stepped aboard, and he had to hang to a strap. He did so in almost automatic fashion, giving small attention to the crowded life about him. Already it seemed to Ebenezer that they had lost all interest for him. It was after two o'clock, and he had less than nine hours to live. And what did anyone or anything matter to a man who had come that close to the grave? That strange, detached feeling, amounting to an almost apathy at times, had been growing upon him for days. He smiled rather grimly, however, recalling Armistead's parting words. Doctors, what did they know about it? A month ago, one of the very best physicians in town had told him he was in perfect health and could expect to live for years. Only, 
Even when the man had said it, Ebenezer had known he was mistaken, and the words had served merely to convince him that there were more things in life than were known to medical philosophy, and that had the doctor been examining him for life insurance, say, it wouldn't have been long till his company would have been accusing him of having made a rather lurid mistake. For Ebenezer knew that a whole lot less than a year would see him stretched out in the classical six feet of earth, had known it with a definiteness of knowledge the medical man's opinion was in no wise able to shake. There had been at the time an almost morbid satisfaction in the knowledge, a sort of unreasoning marvel in his mind at how blind the future was, after all, at how its veil hung always between mankind and the procession of succeeding days. And now, the last day was reached so far as Ebenezer was concerned. The last day? He gazed dully out at the sunshine in the streets. After a while it was going to fade, and with its fading would come the last night. And after that? Unconsciously he tightened his grip on the swaying strap. After a time he punched a signal button and left the car at the corner of two streets. He dodged the traffic officer's warning shout. For a single instant he experienced a sensation of something like contempt at that cautionary warning. Let him yell, thought Ebenezer. The man died but once, and he wasn't due to die till one minute after eleven o'clock that night, so why bother about such trivial details as speeding motors and heavily lumbering trucks? He turned into the doors of an office structure and consulted the directory bulletin before he entered an upgoing elevator cage. He waited while the cage filled, eyeing the passengers as they bustled busily in through the fretted gate. The detached feeling came back upon him. The thought that with them he no longer had a part. That in a very few hours now, death, the grim prompter, would give the cue for his exit from the world he had heard likened to a stage. Ten, he said to the boy at the switch and leaned back against the metal framework as the car slid up the shaft. He roused and got out when the tenth floor was reached. He walked down the corridor, scanning the number on the doors. Presently he found the one he was seeking and passed through it. He made known his need of a lawyer to a young woman busily engaged in hammering out some typewritten manuscript. She took his name, rose, and disappeared into an adjoining room from which she returned in a moment, leaving the door open behind her as she announced that he should go right in. Ebenezer accepted the invitation and found himself facing a clean-shaved middle-aged man who sat at a desk and regarded him out of expectant dark eyes. He put his hand into the pockets of his coat and drew out a bit of folded paper. I would like you to make out a deed for the property described in this to Miss Claire Markley of Mazalon, Ohio, he said and laid it on the desk. Sit down. The lawyer took up the paper and glanced through it while Ebenezer waited. For what consideration? He presently asked. Consideration? Ebenezer stammered. Yes, what price? Oh, said Ebenezer. Why, there isn't any price. I'm just leaving it to her. I, I want she should have it after I'm dead. Oh, love and affection, said the lawyer. Ebenezer started. Love and affection. For a fleeting instant, he seemed to see Claire Markley's face floating before him with its clear gray eyes, just as he had seen it when he had been working on the casket and then it faded and left him staring back at the attorney. He had forgotten to consider a consideration, but 
Love and affection? What did it matter? You could fix it up that way, could you? He inquired. The lawyer nodded. Yes, I'll have it ready for you tomorrow. Will you call, or shall I send it to you? I'll wait for it now, I guess, said Ebenezer. I want to mail it to her myself, and I can't if I'm dead. Well, the attorney glanced at his client's stalwart figure. There doesn't seem to be an immediate danger of your dying at present. There it was again, doubt, unbelief, the acceptance of the mere surface seeming. All at once it filled Ebenezer with a sense of irritation. That's all you know about it, he returned sharply. I'll be dead before midnight, all right. End of chapter one.